Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to the Smarter Brain, Better Memory Show right here. And I am Louis Angel, your memory coach. Now, I have an amazing treat for all of you today. You see, I've known this individual for a few years now. She's an incredible human being, very kind-hearted, gentle soul. I met her at a, at a youth program called GYLS, Global Youth Leadership Summit, held by Tony Robbins, who's an exceptional you know, human being himself as well. He helps a lot of individuals to just tap into their full mind's potential. So it was amazing for me to run into Julia Bison, um, who I'm going to be interviewing today. But she, her mind is just on another level. She thinks differently than everyone else, honestly, that I've met. Her, her skill sets when it comes to helping others tap into their God-given abilities to to achieve greatness in their life is is unparalleled. And it's just an awesome privilege to have her on the show here with us today. And also just to talk about her journey because she's had an incredible journey. She's actually lived on her own since she was a teenager. She's gone to like Australia and I'll have her tell her story, but she's gone to Australia and other parts of the world at a very young age, uh, studied abroad. It, she's come to the US, studied here right now. I think she's in Germany, right, Julia? <laughs> Yes. She's, um, she's in Germany right I'm now. <laughs> yeah. But uh but yeah, so let me introduce you to Julia Bison who also has a degree, right? You have a degree in psychology. Hi. Yeah, Louise, I do. So, uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me in your podcast. It's an honor. Um I know you've been working on this for so long and you're so dedicated and it's such an amazing content that you put out there for people and it's really a privilege for me to be here and, and talk about it with you. Um, so thank you for that. And um, yeah, so uh, I graduated with a degree in psychology from the University of New Hampshire, uh, my time studying in um, the U.S. when I was living there. And ever since then, I've been uh, so in love with the subject of psychology that I've been just trying to master everything related to the mind um, and our overall health, not just mental health. So I studied as well coaching, neurolinguistic programming, um, anything related to the mind that I see online. I will give it a try. I'll try to learn it just because I'm, I'm so passionate about it. And yeah, and right now I'm helping individuals uh, master their own mind, um, you know, through sessions that we do online all over the world with, with different kinds of people from many different age groups and backgrounds and things like that. So it's been an interesting journey so far for me. And I'm really happy to be working with people and helping them master their own minds like I had to do years ago with my own mind so yeah that's that that's awesome I, I like how I like hearing those types of journeys where someone is struggling with something or maybe not even struggling but just wants to improve a certain aspect of their life and then they master that thing that was hurting them or hindering them in the past they master that to the best of their abilities and then they're able to help out others to move along the the way was that one of your goals when you were even studying when you were in school um was was it your goal to eventually do what you're doing now as far as coaching as far as you know helping individuals tap into um their full mind's potential um to be honest with you when i started my journey um first of all i went i did many different um, universities i even studied business at some point and then medical school at another point i was really confused on what to do <laughs> so finding about psychology was really like a game changer for me because i really fell in love with it but in the beginning of like let's say 
seven years ago when I started to really get into this, um, I just had such a different mindset that I never thought I would be capable of helping other people to get to this level because I didn't think I could even get there myself. You know, um, we have this sort of like limiting beliefs where we think this is who we are. This is, you know, all that we got. And there are other people that are better than us and we're never going to get to that level. And, you know, in the beginning, I was really just out of curiosity even. And I was started to challenge myself. And then as I got better and as I saw the possibilities, then it became an instant passion to show everybody else that that's possible as soon as I started applying to my own life. So mm. that came after I like overcame my own um, challenges and struggles, you know, in my own personal life. And it was my emotions that I was like, this is incredible. Everybody needs to know about this. Like we can change. We don't have to stay the same. And, and things are possible if we, you know, just have the right skills, the right attitude. And, and that's when it really, you know, that like awakened this passion within me to help other people, I would say. Awesome. So, <laughs> so you were, I mean, like a lot of people like myself, I mean, I was an engineering major at one point. I was a psychology major. <laughs> I mean, you name it, I wanted to become um, an architect, like I, you know, I, I was construction. I wanted to do all kinds of things, um, but you know, I ended up not doing any of those and just focusing on memory improvement. So this was not uh, one of those paths that they have you check off uh, when you're in high school. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? That you know, memory coach for me wasn't a thing, but for mm -hmm. you to be bouncing around from different majors and different uh, f uh, focal points in your studies. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that because there are probably a lot of people that have not made up their mind. They're maybe undecided or they're jumping around from thing to thing uh, to thing. And I want them I want them to know that it's normal. It's normal for people to do that. And then also once you really um, gravitate towards something, then just focus solely on that, which is what you did uh, with the mind. Now, what was that one class or that one thought when you started to dig a little bit deeper into psychology that just really caught your attention and you're like man i, I want to learn more about this what do you remember what that one thought or that one idea was in in this realm of the mind yes definitely so to give you a little bit of background i was actually uh, in the u.s in community college at that point um because i just wanted to I, I went from australia to the u.s you know and i had to do community college to to get into the american educational system and I was actually forced to take a psychology class because mm. in the U.S., you know, you have to do all different subjects in the beginning, where in other countries, you just go straight into that, you know, degree that you're studying. So let's say a medical student would never do like a math class. They would just do everything related to medical school. So um, then they were like, yeah, you have to take, you know, just different sort of classes. So um, I, I was really afraid of psychology because I I um, heard that you have to do a lot of writing. And I was like, mm. I don't, I'm not good at writing. I don't want to do that. Um, but I was like, you know, that's better than doing, you know, something that I've already studied before. I don't want to pay for something I've already studied. So I ended up doing psychology class. And I remember um, the first day of class because I love everything that's like, you know, diagrams and color coded things. And I remember this teacher came in and he just like started making all these diagrams with the brain and, you know, and explaining um, a little bit about behind like, you know, who we are, the type of personalities. And I was like, wow like this is this is so amazing like I never even thought of psychology as a possibility and after that class I didn't even think about going through with psychology as a, as a subject I was just really amazed at like learning about myself really mm. in that class it was like really a, a self-awareness self-discovery class for me because I was like this is why I do that like this is why I can't pay attention or this is why that's my personality and then um this is why we developed this way and I was just really intrigued by this thought so um 
I think that was the moment that I started to like really become interested in something because in university, you know, you kind of study things because you have to. And this, this, I'm sorry, I have an ambulance passing by. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, in Germany, we have ambulances all the time. You probably yeah, hear birds every hour chirp- I have one. You'll probably hear birds chirping on my end in the background, so it's all right. <laughs> oh, I, I wish I was there. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think for anybody that's struggling out there to find um, what you want to do, I think a lot of it is pressure from, um, can be from people in your family or even from within you, from society, that you should be doing something because it will make you money, because it's you know what your family does or because it's what you think that your personality test gave you this option for a job and you just go for it. And I think instead of like being pressured by this, just start to become curious around subjects that you're already interested in. And, you know, jobs that are going to be available 10 years from now don't even exist today. Mm. So anything can be possible. Anything can be a possibility. And if you just start to study something that you're curious about, um, I think just like you did, Louise, maybe, um, you'll just start to see like, wow, I can really you'll figure out a way to make a living out of this. Like I I wouldn't worry about this in the beginning. I would just try to, you know, dip in your curiosity about the topic that you have, which is what I did in the beginning. I never even thought, I thought, oh my God, therapists are boring. I have to sit in an office (laughs) all day, you know, just listening to people's problems. I don't want to do that. You know, I want to, you know, have an exciting life. And now I see like, wow, it's not just that. And I had to create my own job pretty much out of that, not to fit into this typical like therapist box, but it's okay. It was possible because you just got, you know, so curious and you study more and you become more valuable to other people that are, they are willing to, you know, they want this knowledge from you and they want to, you know, learn from you. So uh, I think if any knowledge that you acquire can become valuable to other people and and for yourself in your own life. Um, Awesome. Yeah. And now obviously you've taken that and and you help a lot of people around the world. You do um, like Skype sessions and you do one-on-one sessions. And I, I know that you're becoming very popular on Instagram. You do a lot of interviews on Instagram. (laughs) um, And a lot of them are in, well, in Portuguese, not Brazilian, but Portuguese. Um, Do you only cater to clientele that speak Portuguese? No, definitely not. I think with Instagram, I always felt more at ease speaking my own like native language. Um, even though I, I have an English page that I, you know, I want to get more into that because I'm right now I'm only focusing on Portuguese. Um, but definitely not. I have clients like here in Germany, um, something I never thought I would do actually is to coach German men because um, mm-hmm. that tends to be like men in general have this stigma a little bit stronger than, than most women about therapy, you know, because they don't want to be seen as weak or that they have a problem. So that tends to be more of a challenge to like talk to most men usually. So most of my clients are women, but, you know, because of this awareness on social media, um, I, I have like women that are married to, you know, men in, in the U.S. or in Germany um, or in Japan as well. And they were like, no, this is not like a traditional therapy. You don't have to like talk about your feelings. You can talk about whatever you want, you know, and you can really, you know, if you have a goal for yourself. Uh, you don't know how to achieve that. You can talk to somebody who will see this from a different perspective, a professional perspective, and will help you get through those goals. So that's how it kind of all started. But right now I have clients, let's say from, oh gosh, I haven't counted exactly, but at least um, 15 different countries. Mm. And most of them are, you know, 
Brazilians living abroad, but a lot of them are uh, because they have Brazilian friends, they got to know me through them and I have sessions in English with them as well, as well as um, Spanish sessions as well. I hope I, I have German sessions one day. I don't, I don't know German fluently so far yet, uh, but for now I have my sessions yet in Portuguese, English, and, and Spanish. So yeah, that's pretty amazing. I, if you told me this is a 15-year-old that you, I'll be doing this, you know, I'll be living in Germany and having sessions with people all over the world. I would never have believed that. I couldn't even speak English properly mm -hmm. um, more than 10 years ago. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really fulfilling. Amazing. So before, be, before, uh, so before we move forward with uh, your skill sets, and I want to, I do want to dig deeper into your edu on the education side on what exactly you know. Once you found this amazing, um, you know, uh, mind empowering idea out there, and you started digging deeper, and then you started going to other events from Tony Robbins. You started studying other people and um, other material to help you understand this better. Um, I, I do want to dig deeper, but I also, you brought up a lot of uh, great things here, and that's a fact that uh, you speak multiple languages. So when I first met you, that was a, one of the things that really intrigued me about you was you were pretty much fluent in like Spanish and Portuguese and English, um, and now you're obviously studying German as well. But you, I feel like you are obviously a very intelligent individual, but you can, you can, uh, you can learn things much probably much quicker than other other people have um is that something like the the skill sets of of learning something new is that something that you picked up on or that you gravitated towards at a very young age or you you found that within yourself at a very young age where you you were able to pick up say languages much faster than others like why is it that you are able to speak <laughs> all these languages so easily and fluently that other people Oh my gosh, definitely not. Like I actually started learning English when I was four years old. Like in, in Brazil, you can go to English lessons at like really young age. And my parents, you know, as all parents, they want your kids to be the smartest one possible. So at, since I was four years old, I went to English lessons and I did them until I was, you know, 15 almost. And um, I still didn't know English. I still was the worst in my class at English. And I just thought it was so boring to go every week to sit down and learn grammar. I didn't know why I was learning that. I was so young. I just went to go play. And um, it was frustrating because I wasn't good at it. Everybody would like, listen to music. They would get the questions, the quizzes, you know, the studying. I wouldn't get it. So, no, actually, it was completely the opposite. Mm. It was terrible. And I never thought I would ever learn English. I was like, wow, I, I can't even, you know, I didn't even know the word hate until I was 14. Like, what is hate? I don't know that. Mm. Um, so uh, when I went abroad the first time, I went to Canada first. I was living in Mississauga, which is a city near Toronto. And um, I remember my first day there, I was so excited and I was so upset at the same time because I got to this new school. I had like five people um, taking me to Tim Hortons. If you're from Canada, you know Tim Hortons. Oh, and they yeah. started oh, talking yeah. to me. And, and donuts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the best. And then um, they were, you know, they were trying so hard to be my friend. They were so excited and I couldn't understand them. Hmm. And I started crying because I was like, I want to be your friend, but I don't understand oh. you and I don't know what to say to you. And I think that was like partially like, this desire to really connect to people that um, I was in this boarding school for a year. And then for the first six months of that school, I had nobody from Brazil over there. So they, they, I had students from all over the world, like from France, from Nigeria, from the U.S., from Egypt, from Saudi Arabia, like all over. But nobody spoke anything of Portuguese. Like I either learned English or I'm really going to struggle in this mm. place. So Full I think immersion. that that idea... 
yes, full immersion, exactly. And ever since then, I learned English like rapidly because I had to. It was part of like an emergency, but also because I was emerged. And uh, when I was trying to learn Spanish, it was the same thing. I was still living in Canada. I was living in Vancouver at the time, actually. So I already like let's say mastered English as as well as I could for high school. And I had like um, 30 students from Mexico in that school. And I also thought they were so incredible. They were so fun. You know, they were so alive. And I had this desire, like, I want to be part of this culture as well for the time that I'm here. You know, when I get to know them. So I think, yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So I think it's like when you're, you you need this passion. You need this, like, like Tony Robbins always say, you need this hunger, right? But for me, it's like this really like this desire to learn something. So you shouldn't learn something because you have to, you should. So when I was going to classes for 10 years, I didn't learn because I was like, I, something I, I have to, I don't know why I'm doing it. But as soon as I was in a place where I knew why it was good to learn it, I could make more friends, I could connect to people. You know, I was, I was just really learning to make friends. I didn't have the intention of getting a job and like speaking Spanish. Like, it was purely because of I wanted to be closer to people. And I, I what I did is for two months, um, I was I changed my channel settings to Spanish. Mm. <laughs> it was like listen, watching TV in Spanish. Um, I had all my friends um, only talk Spanish to me, and they, I told them, please correct me all the time. I don't care. I, I can be making a fool of myself, but correct me. And all the time, if I wasn't in high school, which was the morning period speaking English, as soon as I was out of school, I was talking Spanish the whole afternoon. I was cleaning the house, and I was like, I would talk it to myself as I was cleaning the house, what I was doing in Spanish as well as I could. And that really, like that immersion period, really helps you get deeper into anything really anything you want to learn especially language doesn't matter if you were terrible at learning language until today you can get good at it if you just emerge yourself and commit like let's say a month two or three of your life to be fully present in that language so it's definitely possible yeah i remember starting to speak with you in in spanish one time you just caught me off guard and i was like whoa i think she knows more spanish than i do and i grew up speaking it Yeah, right. But if you don't use it, you lose it, yeah. right? You you forget about it. So it, that's why, like, now that I'm in Germany, I'm not really speaking Spanish all the time. So I always make a day to talk in Spanish or mm. watch a show in Spanish just to keep that in my memory. Otherwise, I will definitely forget it. So you have to always keep that present in your life, right? No wonder I get random voicemails from you in Spanish. I'm like, why, <laughs> why is she talking to me in Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, th- so that's interesting. So you essentially learned like it took many years, like ten plus years, to pick up English. One maybe out of stubbornness, reluctancy, but you also more than likely. I mean, you started at four, so you didn't have a strong enough why at the at that point. Like you didn't like everybody back home in Brazil, and that's another thing I want to you know dive more into. But everybody in Brazil, for the most part, probably just spoke you know Portuguese from your parents to your sister to friends. Um, and so there were more than likely wasn't a strong enough effort from others around you to, to push you to want to learn English, but it wasn't until you really got to Canada. Not only did you pick up English, you also picked up another language and that's when that's Spanish, because you had that strong why or reason for why you wanted to learn that or, or do X, Y, and Z. Um, in this case was learning a new language. And I think that's a huge takeaway for a lot of people is you, you must, you must attach a reason why. And if you don't have that reason why, I would highly recommend for you to meditate on it and, and really sit down, jot down ideas as to why you want to do the thing that you want to do. So I'll give an example. 
Um, recently, a friend of mine, he was um, doing, he started a new business, credit repair business. He's helping people out with uh, fixing their credit. And he was really like, he has this multi-million dollar business idea right in front of him, but he hasn't been working on it. And I had a discussion with him. I'm like, listen, especially right now, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard on a lot of people. So I told him, you got to set the money aside. What are you going to do about these people? What What is it? What is it that your business is going to be able to help them with? That's to change their life because there's going to be a lot of people hurting right now uh, when it comes to their finances and their credit because of what's going on around the world. So you, ha I told him to jot down as many ideas. Like what, what's one of them? Well, he's like, well, now if I help them fix their credit, they're going to be able to, um, to buy a new, a new vehicle to get them around to go and maybe, um, you know, get get themselves to that job safely. You know, and he just started jotting down idea after idea after idea, giving him more and more reasons why he needed to help out his clientele aside from just, yeah, making money. Okay, cool. But long after that, because people might get his services for a month or two and then what? He's just going to kick them off to the curb? No, he, he, I told him to associate something strong to each one of these clients as to why he's doing it. And now he's like more motivated than ever to, to really help them out and to, and to grow this business. So, I feel like that's what you did with with learning languages. Now, as far as moving yourself as a teenager uh, to this boarding school in Canada, like what was the drive for that? Was it like your mom just got tired of seeing you, so she kicked you out of the house, or was it your intention to move out? What what was the idea behind uh, you moving at a young age to uh, to a foreign land from Brazil? Yeah, I think when you're a teenager, like you don't have as much fear as you have as an adult like you, you think you're a lot you know more invincible than you actually are but I think the strongest reason for me was just this desire to 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 learn more to be more I think I was in this uh, high school in Brazil and you know everything is the same and people are the same and you have your cliques and the hierarchy in your school and on all those things and I was just so tired of it I, I can't explain it I just felt this strong desire to to learn about the world and other people. And I thought this can't be it. Life can't be just this, you know, there needs to be more out there. And, you know, you grew up watching movies about the US and abroad and all these adventures. And I thought, you know, I want to do that. I want to explore this. And, you know, when I thought about this, I had no idea what was coming because it was not like the movies. It was not easy. Um, I think I cried so much for the first six months that I was there, but I was so determined that I was going to make it. And I still remember when I first asked my parents, like, you know, can I spend it at six months abroad, even a semester? And they're like, no way. And, you know, when your parents say no, there is one kind of no that you're like, yeah, I know there's no, it's going to turn into a yes. But then there's one kind of no that you're like, okay, there's no means no, and I'm never going to oh, get yeah. this. And it was definitely the second kind of no. It was like, no, Julia, forget about it. Like, there is no way that you're ever going to live um, this city. Like, you're, you're 15. What are you thinking about? Like, no. And I was like crying in my room, like, no, I need to go. And I remember like one night I like stand in the balcony and look up to the stars and I was like, God, if you're real, please help me. Oh like I was God. so desperate. I, I remember I never wanted something so strong that I, I, that I wanted to go out. And 
I just I just needed to discover something about myself that I couldn't like being in that environment, right? And I mean, I had the best parents that I could ever have for sure. They're amazing, but um, they were definitely a bit overprotective and they were, you know, really demanding of me, which I'm sure a lot of parents are because they just want the best for their kid. But that put a lot of pressure on me and I just wanted to have a little bit of freedom and like make my own mistakes, right? And mm-hmm. um, I felt like at home I could never really make mistakes because I, I had to be so perfect all the time. So and there's just a lot of different reasons. And um, I remember I did a lot of research, you know, I ended up putting a PowerPoint presentation together for my parents. I was oh, like, yeah. these are the reasons why Canada is amazing. And I researched people that already have been to Canada and came back and did better in life. So I found out all the reasons why my parents would be convinced of not why I wanted to go, but what would make them convinced what were their reasons for me to stay. And I turned them around. <laughs> Still can't believe I did that at 15, but I was just like, when you're so determined to go to do something, you find a way. Oh, like yeah. That's when I learned, like, if you want something, no matter what you find the way. So I did all my research. I presented to them. I spent two months just like bothering them every day, crying. I was like, I do whatever. I did all this test. You know, I did the SATs. I, um, and I studied harder so I could get like at least a bit of a scholarship to go there and make the price a little bit easier on them. And two months later, um, I finally managed to, to convince them to let me go. Great so, job. um, yeah, it's, it was really amazing. Um, <laughs> when I got there, actually, I didn't like it. It wasn't what I expected, but I was so stubborn to get there that I couldn't turn back and say, well, now I don't like it. I want to go back. So mm-hmm. that was also another reason that I kept, I stay there because, you know, when you move somewhere new, it's never what you expect. You know, when you get a new job, whatever you do that it's new, it's never what you expect. And sometimes you're even disappointed because you have all these high expectations. But if you just stick it through and, and say, you know, I wanted this, I will make it work. It will eventually work. It will eventually get better. You know, especially moving to a new place, it's always hard. You don't know anybody if you don't speak the language. But if you just become persistent enough, like it, it will break through and it will get better. So, I'm really glad I stayed there, and 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 things definitely got better afterwards. But yeah. So, at any point though, were they trying to convince you to go back home when you were in Canada? Oh, all the time. <laughs> like, are you sure this is like one? You know, you can always come back. You know. And uh, I didn't, I never told him I wanted to stay there forever. Oh I just said, you know, just, just one more semester, just another semester. And that, that another semester turned into like 10 years now. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they always, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that they always, you know, have the support at home for me. And they always said, you know, if nothing works out, you can always come home, you know. But uh, I, I, for me, it's, I never wanted to go back to be dependent on them. I mm-hmm. wanted to come back one day if I, if I do, but you know, to have, to be, to have this independence and to help them instead of them always helping me. So right. that, that was never an option for me. So, yeah. So why the move to Australia then? Um, I think after I was in Toronto for a year, then I was in Vancouver for a year, almost two years in Vancouver. And, um, you know, when you study psychology, then it starts to make sense. But before I studied psychology, I had no idea about this. But the weather actually has uh, a really strong effect on how you feel. Hmm. And Vancouver is such an amazing place, but it's pretty much gray all of the time. So it was it was a gray period of my life, as I like to call it. It was amazing, but it was definitely challenging emotionally. Uh, I started to, to show early signs of depression at that point because um, a lot of things happen, but also, you know, the, the weather really affects how you feel. And sometimes you don't know what you're sad, but, you know, it's raining every day and it's gray outside and you wonder why you don't want to go outside and do something happy. Right. And um, I, I was just there and I just had this, this feeling of, you know, like when I was 
back home in Brazil. Like, is this all there is? Is there anything else? And that's a, that's a dangerous part about moving because when you start moving, you start to search for the perfect place, which you will actually never find. By the way, I just want to put this here. There's no perfect, perfect place. place. Actually, Puerto Rico. <laughs> I bet you found. <laughs> but the most important thing about the place is like your attitude where you are. It's what you do with what you already have. You know, it's who you have around you. So um, I pretty much didn't have a lot of people around me. I was um, in a bit of like, let's say, an abusive relationship in a period, which you don't have to get into. It's a lot of lot of things happen. But um, I saw Australia as this um, land of possibility again. I was like, wow, um, I get to go somewhere. I already know English now, so it's going to be a little bit easier, I thought, because I had no idea Australian accent was really hard to understand in the mm-hmm. beginning. Uh, and I was like, I just, I, I needed to find myself. And I thought moving the environment would help me do that which definitely did. It was a big factor in that. But I think my search for a different place is actually, in the end, a search something within myself, right? Which I ended up finding when I found, you know, my study for the mind, psychology, and everything like that. But um, that was my initial desire was to, you know, explore different a different place, find something different about myself, that that place would help me figure it out. And uh, it was it was definitely the best decision that I did. I, I Today I was back and I was like, I'm glad I, I did there. I lived there for four years. I met the most incredible friends um, that I could have over there and a big support system, a lot of studying, you know, a lot of long hours. Um, yeah, it was it was um, a lot of different jobs as well, I was trying to make money however I could. And I was, you know, at some point I was doing spray tanning for a living, which oh, was man. an interesting time <laughs> in my life. <laughs> yeah, you think spray tanning in Australia, but that's something real, yeah. And yeah, it was really, really amazing, I have to say. So that was wow. my initial motivation, but it worked out. <laughs> now, so you were four years, four or five years in Australia, right? And so what, and then you went to community college. Was that in Boston or did you start community college or college in Australia? And then you went uh, to the States to continue your education. How how was your transition um, with with college? So when I was in Australia, uh, I moved there initially because I got accepted into Griffiths University, which was a Gold Coast University for biomedical science. Mm. And um, I started biomedical science because I just, I love science in general. And um, I love, you know, biology and everything like that. So I thought, why not? Let's, you know, (laughs) give it a shot. I wasn't really sure what to do, but I knew I loved studying that. So that sounds like a good start. Um, Give you a little bit of a background. So I always, since I was 11, I had this dream to be an actress as well, which I don't know where it came from. I like, I thought I could cry on the spot and I thought, you know, if I can cry on the spot, I can be an actress. Why not? So uh, while I was doing biomedical science, I started taking like night classes for acting because I, you know, mm. never done that in my life before. And I always wanted to do it. And I was like, I'm in Australia. I can do anything. Why not? I'm going to start taking night classes for acting. So I did that for about two months and then that's when I started to actually read some self-help books and things like that. And they all told you the same thing, which is, you know, you have to act on things that you want, you know, don't wait for opportunities, you know, take them. So then I saw this ad for like a scholarship for an intensive acting course, which was a six month course was worth like $10,000. You would learn everything to do with acting in front of the camera, how to film, like everything to do with production. And I was like, wow, I, I can't afford this, but, you know, what if I got the scholarship? And I was like, no, nah, come on, I don't even, my English is not that good even. I just learned how to speak the language. I don't have the accent or anything. But I was like, you know what? Why not? If I never try, I'll never know. At least mm. I'll get the experience. 
And I did. And um, two weeks later, I did the audition for the part. And I ended up getting the scholarship. I got oh this God. call with the gym. I was running. I got the call from the cast director. And I was like, yeah, I got the scholarship. I was like, oh, my God. This is the most incredible day of my life. I called my mom. She was like, what are you going to do about university? I was like, I don't care. I got a scholarship <laughs> for acting. Like, do you know what this means? And then I, I like, I actually took a break from my university. I actually spent a year studying acting, which was mm. one of the best things for my mental health which I would never think of. I went there because it was a dream to be an actress, but all this group acting, if you've never done it, they, you really have to be realistic with your emotions. You really have to be honest with how you feel. Otherwise, you can never pretend to act. Like, acting is not pretending. It's really, you have to be real with how you feel to enter that character, which was pretty amazing to me. So that was a real, and really important part of my journey where I learned so much about myself because I had to be so real and so honest and I had to take all my masks off if I was going to be a good actor. So um, I had this amazing support system in my group acting class and everybody was so honest and everybody was so supportive and you, you know, you could talk about even your traumas or whatever you had in your life and that would help you through the process. So hmm. it was really a group therapy session named acting class, <laughs> but that's what, really what it was. That's amazing. Um, and I, you know, I learned other things like editing and lighting and everything like that. But that was the most significant part of my life, I would say. So when I went back to university a year later, uh, I was like, well, I don't, I don't really know what I want now. So that's when I did a bit of business. And I also wasn't happy there. So I went back to biomedical school. And then I was like, well, it's, it's time again. It's, you know, it's been almost four years. It's time to move again. That's, you know, something just clicked inside my head. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I don't really know what that is, but it's like you start traveling and you start to get used to this, you know, beginning life where you're meeting new people and things are exciting in the beginning. So, um, and I was really far away from my family. So I was like, you know, the U.S. seems like a good place to be closer to them, but still have, you know, a decent life where I have more opportunity than, than back home. And since I wanted to do biomedical science, um, if you don't know Boston, it's like the center for biomedical science and pharmaceutical industry. So I thought that was the appropriate place. And Harvard is there. So, you know, if I'm, you know, if I study hard enough, maybe I'm in Harvard mm. or not. So um, I, I never went to Harvard, obviously, but uh, you know, that's just not to obvious. close to that. That's not obvious. People <laughs> would think that you didn't go well, to maybe, Harvard. Maybe I'll go one day. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day I'll be at Harvard. But I think just being closer to this environment, and you know, you can go to some like free classes over there and you can meet some professors if you want. So just around that environment was really, really amazing. Um, but then uh, because of I had pretty much three different high, I have three different high schools, one in Brazil, one in Toronto, one in Vancouver, and then I had one university in Australia. So there was just a lot of uh, curriculum to get into one university and gets really confusing. Mm. Um, they couldn't understand because like, why do you have so many different things and things weren't arriving on time. So I wasn't getting accepted to universities because one of my curriculum from my university wasn't getting there in the deadline. So all this complications. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go to community college, organize all my curriculum, all the classes that I have to do, which you're not obligated to do for, you know, in Australia, like, like yeah. I said, physics and math and, and psychology and things no, like that. No, here they so, want you, um, they want you to take all the classes, even if you don't like it, you, yeah. you need to take all of the prerequisites and they have a certain amount of requirements before you can take, you know, what you really want to do and study for. Um, it's one of the reasons why I left school, <laughs> but uh, uh, this is not, <laughs> I don't suggest anybody listen to this to leave school, but uh, that's just something that I did, you know. Uh, however, I do see benefit in that. Like you said earlier, you know, you you took this one class and, and then you're like, oh, that's probably not a class you would have taken on your own if they didn't tell you to take that class. But, you know, that the same thing for me, like I started taking other classes 
other random classes that I didn't think that were necessary uh, for myself. But then you learn something from the teacher. You learn one key nugget. And I remember for me, it was um, English, like uh, 68. Well, in my community college, that's what they called it. But it was like before English 101. And I was like, I'm good in English, even though like I failed a lot of classes in high school. I'm like, I know how to speak English. I don't need to take a pre-English class. I, like I should just get straight into mm-hmm. it. But honestly, that one pre-English class taught me a lot about um, that I have a decent ability to be able to write. <laughs> um, I was getting straight A's in yeah. that class with all the essays that I would write, even though in high school, I mean, I never did most of, I never turned in my paperwork, my my essays, um, because I didn't do them. So maybe if I did, I would have found out that I had a somewhat of a gift early on. Um, but that helped me to now do what I do. And that's, you know, I, I have published several books. Um, but that one class helped me now to discover what I, you know, what I like to do. But for you, obviously, community college, you know, taking all these other classes, like you're saying, um, it, 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 there's there's a benefit with that. So there's a method to the madness. Yes, they want more money from you, <laughs> but there's also a method to the madness. They want you to, I think they want you to discover more about you than anything else. Yeah. Yes, I, I have to say, like, um, it's definitely not ideal because when you're forced to do something, you're forced to study, you're less likely to actually take it seriously. Um, however, I have to say that community college, the edu- the quality of education and attention they gave you was a lot better than I got in actual college. So mm. I went to Bunker Hill Community College, which is actually a pretty famous community college in, in Boston. I think it's in that movie with Matt Damon and uh, Robin Williams. I forgot the name now. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's apparently a famous community college, but it's still like the people that I had that I was studying with are people that had really rough backgrounds, like people that, you know, sometimes were homeless and, and didn't have anything to eat. And then, you know, mothers of five different children and like uh, were really struggling at home. So I dealt with people that had like really real life, let's say, and um, saw how much they, you know, were putting an effort to be there at school. And I thought, wow, if I'm here by myself, I have, you know, nothing to worry about but myself. Like what, what excuse do I have? So that really put things in perspective for me. And also like the teachers that were there, a lot of them are, were also teachers from like big universities even like people that uh, went to MIT or things like that and they were there sort of like they're um, you know they wanted to do work not just for the people that you know were super smart and had a lot of money but also people that you know from the community of Boston wanted to help them as well to get a good education so the teachers that I had were really 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 dedicated I have to say so it was an amazing experience it was a small classroom and um, the quality of education it was simply excellent and I think I got a lot more, more out of the community college education than I got out of the actual college education which is interesting because it's so much more expensive right and um but I think the people were there because they really wanted to help and then when you really want to do something because you know you have your own reasons I think that brings the best in people both teachers and students so yeah. uh it was for me it was life-changing awesome so then you you discovered that you were interested in the mind you started well when you were acting you were going into it and started to dive a little bit deeper into self-help books and self-help programs. And then um, in college and university, you started to really dig dig more into it and study it more. So what were some of the uh, most profound things that you discovered from either from in school or even outside of school from, say, a Tony Robbins or um, other like, you know, Jim Rohn or other people that you started studying um more about the mind that you were like, man, that's amazing. I want to learn more about that. What were those uh, ideas for you? 
Um, for me, so university experience in general, like college, community college, was great. Like theory, I understood it, but it wasn't until I started doing the self-help books and, and courses and, and events that I put it in practice, mm. right? So for me, going to this event was the moment that I thought, you know, I have this knowledge, but I can also apply this and I can also help other people apply this. Because up until college, I didn't, I still didn't feel confident enough to, how can I help other people get over, you know, depression or something so serious, you know, and anxiety issues and things like that. And I didn't think I was capable of doing that because I never actually put it in practice. So the, I think the, the biggest lesson for me is which is so simple right but just put it in practice but so many people they they learn all these things and they read all these books and they just kept getting more knowledge and more knowledge but they never actually apply anything that they learn and part of the learning process is is making mistakes so you learn something you put it in practice it doesn't work then you learn okay why didn't it work how can i make this better and then you try it again then you make another mistake and then you learn again and then you you keep trying until you you get that right so that was definitely the the thing that made me move forward the fastest you know the most efficient thing the most effective thing for me which is just a simple concept but it's put it in practice mm. everything you learn if you're you know when you listen to your um your videos or your podcast about memory and you just listen it's like oh that makes sense but you don't actually try the exercises that you teach people it's never going to actually make sense it's never going to anything's never going to happen so um that was yeah simplistic but it's the biggest lesson for me so what, what did you notice yourself putting into practice more often than not with the skills that you were learning? So um, there's a lot of literature, literature about the mind and, you know, personality and things like that. But there's also this thing called, you know, neuroplasticity, which is brain plasticity, which is you can actually shape, you know, the way your neurons connect and the interactions you have depending on things that you do. So I always thought like, yeah, okay, you know, my life is not great. It could be better, but um, eventually something is going to happen that's going to change that or I will do something eventually. And to realize that I have to wake up every single day, like just like I go to the gym, I have to go to my mental gym hmm. and put myself in a state, like change my posture, which your physiology literally changes how you produce hormones. It changes your brain chemistry. So getting in this physiology that makes you feel confident you know, um, looking into your life and saying, not what I, what I was, not what I think I am, but what do I actually want to be? Mm -hmm. Even if it doesn't look possible right now, but if I want to help people, what would I have to do? What skills would I have to acquire? What would take me to become more confident and have a better self-esteem? You know, people talk about self-esteem, like, oh, how can I improve my self-esteem? And you can't just talk yourself into having a better self-esteem. You actually have to have um, more skills to esteem those skills, uh, skills. I don't know how to say that, but basically you have to have more things that you are proud of to mm. raise your self-esteem. You have to do something that you admire yourself for doing it. Um, so it's not this, you know, belief like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm good enough. Like, no, actually prove it to yourself that you're good enough. Like, wow. how would you be good enough? What would you have to do for other people? And that's the best way to, to raise self-esteem because then nobody can shatter that. It's not even that a higher self-esteem or a lower, but it's a stronger self-esteem that is not oscillating with what other people say with events that happen in your life because you trust yourself. It becomes in that place of confidence as well. So and part of that is going to your mental gym every day, which is waking up, putting yourself in a good state, um, changing your body if you have to, like doing 10 um, push-ups if you have to hmm. just to get your energy up. 
uh, and then, you know, saying your affirmations or, you know, looking at your schedule, what do you have to get done? And the most important thing is what's my purpose today? Mm. I always have one purpose for the day. So I don't have all this tasks that I have to do. I have like, if I, even if I can get any of the tasks done, do I still fulfill my purpose? Mm. And my purpose can be something like, I want to be healthy today. And sometimes, you know, I won't overwork because of my priorities to be healthy. Um, I won't eat junk food because my priorities to be healthy. Or my purpose can be, you know, I want to be, um, I want to be more giving to other people today. So that day, maybe if that's my true purpose that day, then I will definitely overwork that day because I'm helping somebody, you know. Uh, maybe I won't go to the gym, but I'm there present to my client. And that's what it matters because that, that's my purpose of the day. So I think having that um, daily and even weekly, it's really a good concept for you to not get stressed and worried about little things that, you know, maybe you didn't take off your to-do list, but you still have a higher purpose for that week. And that's the most important thing because that's really your life, what your life is about. Um, that was a big change for me in my life when I discovered and I applied those things. I like that. I like how you created your your mind gym, your your, your mental gym. Your, your fitness center in your mind where you can go and work out and you started tackling these little <laughs> things here and there. And eventually you those, maybe they were weaker at certain points, right? They, they were weaker and then you build them up and now they're much stronger. You, your self-esteem is much stronger. Your self-confidence, it's, it's much stronger. Your, you know, everything about your mind um, has been elevated to a whole nother level because you worked at it regularly. You, you, um, you took limiting beliefs and you drowned them, and then you brought up self-empowering beliefs. Now, I, I had this thought uh, recently, actually, where, you know, I, I, you see a lot of posts on social media, Instagram and Facebook. The whole self-help movement really does push, and I like this, I really do, um, to a certain extent. The, the fact that they push yourself, like the self-love, meaning, you know, I'm the best. Um, I, I love myself. Um, I like the way I look. I like everything about me. I, you know, you, you start building yourself up and you you um, you start you set a certain uh, expectation in your mind of what you are already. Right. Meaning if you are not that confident, you tell yourself you're confident. You know, if you and I have several videos and I talk about this myself, even in school, like, for example, for me in school. Um, before I used to say, I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I can't learn, I can't read, all those negative things. So I ended up countering that by saying, no, I am smart. No, I can read fast. No, I can comprehend and retain, retain all the information that I'm learning from this teacher. You know, all these positive things uh, I've, I've built, um, you know, I countered my negative thoughts with positive thoughts. However, I think it, all, it can also be a little destructive to certain individuals if all you do is tell yourself these positive things. At least I, f I found that for myself and a few other people that I do surround myself with. Meaning, if, and correct me if I'm wrong or if you have a different point of view, obviously, but um, if you reach a certain level of self-awareness for your, you know, obviously for yourself, but a, a certain level of self-confidence, meaning you've already elevated yourself from where you were in the past, like a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, whatever, and you keep telling yourself the same things. I'm smart, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm intelligent. Obviously, that's all good. But I think, at least for me, it, it's a kind of like a, a limit breaker, meaning in my mind, I think, okay, I already have all these things that I've, I used to seek after. I should be more complacent. I should not keep growing. I should not keep excelling. I should not you know, progress. 
at least those thoughts start coming in my mind because I feel like I'm already there because I keep telling myself I'm there. And so instead, what I one of the things that really drives me and something that we learn from, you know, personal development and neurolinguistic programming is this whole pleasure and pain principle. You know, the pleasure is you tell yourself these good things, but then we try to stay away from the pain. But I think what happens, we need that pain in our lives. Like you've said, you've gone to these community colleges and you've seen people from different walks of life that probably still have that pain or are trying to get away from that pain. So that motivates you as well because you've also had similar pain. So for me, I started to introduce that pain back into my life, into my mental mind, where I say, hey, I'm not the best that I can be and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with striving to be better. Yes, I don't say I'm dumb, I'm stupid, but I do say, okay, I'm not as smart as I, I can be. You know, I'm not as smart or I, 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 um, my memory is not as great as it can be because it's not. I, I could always improve. I, I can always go back and, and, and you know, sharpen my, my, my tools when it comes to that. But if I keep saying, oh, I'm ju- I am a memory champion, I'm, I'm this, I'm that with the memory field, then I feel like I would not progress. Um, and, and that's what I found myself you know, struggling with recently, but now I, I've changed that by, ad, by adding more pain. Do you resonate at all with, with what I'm saying or do you have any counters to what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, human beings are so interesting that when we finally get rid of pain, we purposely want to introduce pain back in our <laughs> lives. Like, that's just, that's but see, just amazing. But see, that's my it's, thing. Is, is it a it, good it, thing or a bad thing or does it depend on the person? <laughs> I, I think it's not, I don't see anything as good or bad, really, as long as it, it's making you uh, fulfilled. Because the thing is, I agree with you that uh, what moves you is pain. And I see that a lot in contrast with countries that have been so undeveloped countries where people struggle a lot. You know, they tend to be a little bit more grateful when they can, when they have something, you know, they don't want to cause too much chaos in their life. They want to be stable because they already have enough uncertainty. Where in countries, you know, like here in Germany or, or other places where you have a lot of stability, then people personally, they, you know, do something to their lives to to mess it up a little bit because they there's too much certainty. They want to have a little bit of variety and change, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not a positive change, but it's still change. So I think with what you're saying before, the best thing that you can do is to be honest with yourself. And when you're really honest with yourself, you're not making yourself worse than you are. So let's say you're not good at, you know, math. And then you tell yourself like, oh, I suck at math. I'm the worst. Like, no, let's be honest. You're not the best that you can be at math. But because you haven't studied, you haven't put the time or you tried one thing and it didn't work and you gave up or you're just comparing yourself to other people and how they learn, not to your, to yourself, right? So you shouldn't tell yourself that you are worse than you actually are and, and get yourself to, to feel all this pain that's not actually true. But don't actually hype yourself up saying like, oh, yeah, I'm the best when you're not, uh, when you, you're not actually the best. But you, what you have to do is to have a certain vision, which is different than this positive, you know, BS, which is like, oh, yeah, I'm good enough. Like, no, let's be honest. You're not, but you can be. Mm. So you see the possibility, you have the vision, and then you have the drive knowing what I could be. And if I, if I stay here, what actually, what I could become, because you can always get worse. Trust me, however, life is bad. If you don't do anything about it, you should just say, oh, I can't get any worse. It can get worse. So you always have to strive to be better because there's no such thing as a straight line. Right? Tony Robbins talks about it. There's no stability, let's say, unless you work to maintain stability. It's not just going to happen by default. So I think in that stage of your life, um, it's useful to tell yourself the truth. Like there are people that are better than me. I don't have to be as good as them if I don't want to. But do I want to? Do I want to go in that path? And if so, what do I have to do? So it's not to just to introduce this pain. I mean, if, if pain is something that drives you, 
definitely makes you grow the fastest, right? How do you build a muscle? You, you push against weights. It kind of hurts a little bit, but that's how you grow the muscle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that's like the fastest way to do it. It's not the only way to do it, but as long as you're always honest with yourself, look at yourself in the mirror. I'm not going to pity myself. I'm not going to make myself a victim and say that my life sucks because it doesn't. There are things that I can do that, that, that are great. You know, and then I'm not going to tell myself that I'm this incredible, amazing person, that I'm better than everybody else because I'm not. Mm. I still have my faults. And what are they? You know, I'm going to face them and I'm going to make it better because if you can be better, you should always be better. You know, and when people think about growth, they only think about skills. They think about money. But maybe growth can be in your relationship. Like, what have I been doing to my friends that I'm not doing that I could be more for them or my family, you know? And growth can come in many different areas or spiritually that I haven't like got in touch with myself a bit more. Uh, I have to be kind to myself a bit more because I'm, I'm telling myself that I'm a horrible person, but I actually am not. Right. Mm-hmm. But the negative always, uh, it's, it's more, how do I say it shines brighter. What's, what's negative. We always pay attention to it a lot more. So the same thing that can give you pleasure, can give you a lot more pain. So let's say if, if we ask people like, how would you feel if you got $10,000? They'd be like, yeah, I feel pretty amazing. Like, it's amazing I got $10,000. And then we ask people, like, how would you feel if you lost $10,000? That would hurt a lot more than to just get $10,000. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, yeah. So pain has a, a higher um, impact than pleasure. So we have to be careful when we introduce pain into our lives. Mm. Uh, but it, it can be useful. But I wouldn't say to go to tell somebody, like, let's say they're trying to lose weight and say, yeah, you're fat, you're, <laughs> you know, you're obese. Like, no, just... That's not going to help somebody, right? Yeah. But if you just tell yourself, like, "Hey, I'm overweight," it can. I'm not saying do it, it as it well, can. but there are certain people that do thrive <laughs> off of that. <laughs> like me, I thrive off of negativity. Yeah, like I've I've already discussed. Like me and my friends, we don't like to just you know play footies when it comes to motivating each other. We literally tell it how it is, how you know, and worse at it how it could be like. You know, we, we're not the kindest. I'm not going to repeat anything, any of the stuff that we say to each other, but we're not the kindest to each other, especially when it comes to physical fitness and other areas of our lives, uh, financial fitness and, you know, everything else. We definitely push each other, um, but it's good because we grow. But I'm not saying that everyone's like that, right? Um, I'm just saying that certain people, certain types of, of personalities, personality traits that people have might be more driven. Like uh, Michael Jordan, I was just watching... Um, his uh, documentary, the Michael Jordan documentary, and he he motivated his teammates by using a lot of pain-driven, you know, motivation tactics such as "You suck, you can't make this shot," you know, "You you're not good," da, 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 da. but that's because he wanted to be better and he wanted his teammates to be better. And then later they interview all his teammates many years later, and they're like, "You know what? In the moment, it sucked. Like I hated Michael Jordan. I hated being his teammate, but." Now, looking back at it, it made us win six championships. You know, it made us much better. So, I don't know. I, I think certain certain types of people <laughs> uh, need that pain to drive them. Yeah. I'm one of them. But, yes, you were right. For others, doing that can, can hinder their performance. If you call somebody, you know, fat, obese, all these things, for someone that cannot, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say they can't take that type of um, language, but it, it's just, honestly, it, it varies by person to person and personality traits, but a lot of or the majority of the people might not uh, take that as a motivation tactic for them, and that can probably push them to to the opposite and be like, you know what, I am fat, man, I am obese, man, I I cannot, you know, do 
what this person that has a six pack, you know, um, has. So I, I think it depends a lot, of, but you know, yeah. it, certain people need that negative motivation, I guess. I think you definitely said something right. Like it depends a lot on the personality and also who is saying it. So mm-hmm. if you know that's your best friend and they have your best interest in heart and they really are there to support you and, and you know, you talk to each other like that. It's not just one way. It's, you know, you always tell each other the truth. That's one thing. And you're still telling each other the truth and you're also telling each other, you know, how bad it could get if you don't do this because they, you know, want to help you. Uh, but in other situations, like if it's, you know, a parent to a child, then that's definitely not the recommended mm. case because you're not in the same level. It's, it's kind of a level. It's an authority figure in your life. And having an authority figure talk down at you like that, it can really cause some damage. So you really just have to be aware, like who you're talking to, if you have this kind of relationship, if you're both consent to this kind of relationship, <laughs> let's say this kind of talk. But yeah, pain is what it's what most people and there are different ways of introducing pain. So um, sometimes it's enough for people to feel a little bit excluded from the group because they're not doing as well as them. And that's, you know, mm. nobody has to come and talk down at them, but they already feel this pain in their life and they're motivated to do it. Um, so whatever, like pain is different for different people, but the motivation is the same. It's that, you know, even if it's the fear of losing something, even yeah. if you haven't lost it already, but just the fear of it, it can, it can go to move you or sometimes to paralyze you, which, you know, then you have to get. To, to moving and, and doing something different but you said you know it's not wrong it's definitely a motivation it's it's the motivation factor because we move away from pain a lot faster than we move towards pleasure mm-hmm. um just know like who you're talking to and how well you know them and, and how they feel about it and if that's actually being you know the best for them that you know if it's your best friend you know it um if it's your kid maybe <laughs> you don't know them just yet right, right? yeah that's true but, yeah i didn't even think about that like parent and uh and child, they do view you as an authority figure. So it's not, you're not like, you're not their equal in terms of status in their mind, at least. Um, so I like that. But uh, my friend, my, one of my best friends, uh, Omid Kazaran, I talk so much smack to that guy <laughs> every single day. Uh, but vice versa, he talks smack because he knows that's how I, I move. But um, yeah, so you have, we'll go back to, you know, you as a, a coach, you work with a lot of people we've already discussed from all over the world, different countries. And what are, without, you don't have to get into specifics, obviously, because it's, you know, client, um, mentor, mentee, uh, privilege, but are there certain things that you, that you notice frequently about some of the clients? It could be at a macro level that they come to you for, in order to, for you to help them with. Um, meaning do all of the, all of them essentially want to be fitter, you know, more, more fit physically, or is it all just relationship advice or what, are there certain things that, that they come to you for that you see a certain pattern in, in most of the people that come to you for help? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I like to say that the symptoms are different, but then the core is usually they're really, really similar. Hmm. So let's say some people might come to me because they want, you know, they have a social media addiction which is, you know, something new right now for, for therapists to deal with. Or, you know, they want to lose weight. They, you know, addicted to certain foods. Or they, you know, have a bad relationship with their mother. Um, or they just, you know, have this goal, but they can't get themselves to, to stick to the goal. Uh, but usually, if you look at the core of all this, you know, addictions and, and bad behavior patterns, they are, a lot of them are habits, you know, that we get conditioned into doing it. And then we start to believe that, you know, we, we have, no control over them and they're just taking over our lives 
And a lot of them are also like the relationship that people have with the, within themselves. So what kind, what, what kind of things that you talk to yourself? And a lot of people are really, really bad critics of themselves. So mm. most of us, when we have our self-talk, it's usually like one of the worst things that anybody could say to us. We say it to ourselves first. Mm -hmm. And we like to believe that this kind of thing helps, but it's usually very counter, um, very counterproductive. So if somebody is saying like, oh, yeah, I can't believe I was on Instagram again. This sucks. And I'm never going to go to Instagram again. And they say like they delete Instagram for like two days and then they come back and then they binge all over again mm -hmm. because of this, you know, negative self-talk. Um, so most of the people that come to me, it's this like behavioral pattern that they want to break. And um, some of them are relationship related, which I really enjoy. I really like couple therapy or like family therapy. Um, so I do a different, I do a lot of different areas with, with people, but when it comes to couple therapy, for me, it's really interesting because it's usually just a miscommunication. Uh, and what I mean by that is that, you know, we learn feminine energy has certain needs and certain way of communicating and masculine energy has their own needs and ways of communicating as well. And when they try to, you know, uh, get their needs from each other, they give to the other person what they need as well. And they forget that the person in front of them needs different things that they are not aware of. So it's usually very um, simple. It's not easy, but it's simple to resolve. You just kind of give them a map. You say you give them the man the map of like how women think and what you know what they want, and you give the woman the map of what men think and what they want, pretty much. And then they start to come to an understanding and come to to this place of you know I'm not here to get something from you but i'm here to give something to you and i'm only able to give you something if my my glass is already full then i can and give that and offer that to you if i come to you with an empty glass and hoping you to feel that then it's, it's never going to work wow. so I like that. Uh, yeah yeah so it's one of my my favorite clients to work with it's, it's couples but yeah the common theme is usually behavioral behavioral things things that are addicted to things that they're not happy with or it can't like people can't get themselves to exercise or eat healthy or you know things like that so but it's usually more deeper than that how do you mm -hmm. actually help them to fill their own glass like what, what are some um i guess uh tactics or, or skills that you give them or tools that you give them to help them to understand that they can fill their own glass first well the first thing that we do is i teach them about emotional mastery which means you know you are actually in charge of your own emotions, first of all. So that doesn't mean that people are going to be happy and, and excited all the time, right? But I like to teach people that whatever you feel, it's, it's, it's an energy. Imagine you have like this energy inside your body. And when you get depleted of energy, you start to get irritated and frustrated, which means you're very low in energy. And then it doesn't matter what the other person does to you, you're going to snap at them right away because you already have low energy. To deal with that right mm -hmm. it's not what they did is that you were already stressed and then they did something when you were stressed and if you're happy and excited and, you know, and playful and curious when they do something then you're going to be like well it's not even that big of a deal because you know it's not the, the end of the world you're already happy and excited and you just kind of deal with that and, and it's not a problem so the most important thing in a relationship is teaching people how to uh, master their own emotions and that's you know those principles about mastering your state your physiology language patterns so what you say to yourself what kind of questions you ask yourself on a daily basis are those questions that are helping you go to a to direction that you want to go or are those are questions that are keeping you stuck and running in circles like oh how come I, this always happens and why does he always do this and you know those questions are not getting you anywhere so like ask better quality questions um teaching people to wake up 
and do this, you know, emotional gym that I do here. I mean, if you see my, my house, you think I'm crazy because I have sticky notes everywhere and like phrases all the time. It's just because I set up my house uh, in a way to help me, right? My environment, it's, it's everything. And I spend pretty much all at home. I work from home. So I need to have my environment set in a way that helps me bring this energy into my life. So I teach them um, this emotional mastery. And then once they've kind of mastered their own emotions, then we can start to look at, okay, you know, what are your goals in life? Like how are your every area of your life from your health, to your relationships, to your finances, to, to all those things and see where you're lacking. Because usually the place that people are terrible at are the place they work at it the least. So let's say they're really healthy, but their finances suck. So they just keep you know, going to the gym and eating better and, and hope that somehow their finances are going to get fixed or vice versa or like, you know, their finances are great, but their relationship is terrible. So they spend even more time at work, more time, you know, trying to make more money. And if we get about a relationship, hope that that's going to take care of itself. So we, after we, you know, start to get into this habit of emotional mastery for about, you know, a month or so, then we start to look at areas of your life that you want to take care of. But you cannot take care of the areas of your life unless you are in a good emotional state. Because if you're going to take care of that area in your life and you are, you know, doubtful and you're, irritated you're low in energy and nothing works and you're going to have this massive disbelief then you're not going to take action because you're going to think why should i do this i've I've tried it before it didn't work it's a waste of time and that's the attitude that's going to get you to fail for sure so that those are kind of the steps and then it becomes really personal uh we get into like exactly what people need to work on what area of their life and and guide them getting getting the, the mental clarity so then they can come to the partner really like with their best possible because they deserve that right Mm -hmm. they deserve to have the best version of you show up all the time to to help deal with things that you know couples go through life and and you you can have a partner that you can count on instead of coming home and have another thing to deal with you have a person that you can count on and that's the most beautiful gift i think you can have in life is to have this this partnership this this team that you can count on Hmm. What, what are some of those things that you have on your sticky notes for yourself um, let's see, <laughs> I have so many things, but basically, um, what I learned with Tony Robbins is that we always have an emotional home that we tend to indulge on. So for example, for some people it's anger. So everything makes them pissed off, right? For some people is, you know, sad, everything that makes them cry. Like it's not that the thing made you cry is that everything that happens negatively is a trigger to make you cry. Right. Mm-hmm. So for example, my emotional home would be shame. Um, I realized that before. Like, whatever happens to me, I tend to like try to hide myself and feel shame that I'm not good enough, that this is not for me. Hmm. So I write things in my wall to say, like, I'm proud of myself. I believe in myself. I don't hide myself because the world needs every part of me. Hmm. So those things to read that it you know gives me goosebumps because it's it's true. And once you start to live that way, you start to feel that way. Or I have those three like RPM questions, which is. Uh, instead of asking like, oh, what do I have to do today? I have a sticky note that says, what do I want? And then why do I really want this? Why does it need to be now? And how do I make it happen? Wow. So whenever I want to do something, I go through these four questions, there are three or four questions that help me really understand why I want to do something. Because if I don't know why, then it's just a task and it's just bouncing and I just put it off. So having this sticky note with this set of questions reminds me like, hmm, uh, I have to, I don't know, buy groceries you know is that what i really want to do today do i re- you know do i really need that why do, do i want to buy groceries or do and, i okay. want to starve <laughs> do I it's want something to simplistic but right it can go from that to like you know moving to another country that like it can go from 
the smallest thing to the most the biggest thing, mm. but um, you need to know the reasons, otherwise you won't do it. Um, yeah, just just like this incantation, um, the things that I, I learned and I write it here, and then, for example, change your physiology, you know, do something right now, acid. So like if I'm, <laughs> I have this in my kitchen fridge, so whenever I, I open the fridge, I like have to do um, 10, what do you call those, when you jump up and down, mm-hmm. jumping jacks or something, yep. um, just to like, get myself active and then sometimes it's like oh I wasn't even hungry I was just bored now I did 10 jumping jacks and I can go back to work because that's all I actually needed so those kind of things just to trigger myself um, and and other thing that I do is I don't keep the same CV notes for more than a month oh, so every to, I month I would like that. yeah I would write I would rewrite a lot of the things but I would write them in a different color you know mm. with, with different handwriting put them in different places because you get used to them yes so you need to if you do that you need to like change them constantly so they're always new and you pay attention to what's new so when they become um, you get used to them then you have to change it right again until they're like a novelty again in your house so that helps a lot yeah because I feel like kind of similar to what I was saying earlier as far as like you keep telling yourself these positive things and then at some point you you're like all right i've heard this enough come on let's change things up and i think that's why i personally started telling myself um i, I kind of revert back to telling myself not so positive things but that's to push me more to reinforce those you know those beliefs um in myself but i think it's it's similar to what you're doing you have an out um you know and uh, this external um Thing. It's a physical thing that you see a sticky note with a message, a positive message that you want to reinforce in yourself. But I think at, at certain points, like a month in for you that you found, you become desensitized to that one idea because you see it so much in the exact same place. And it becomes kind of like a blur. It becomes part of your peripheral vision. Well, well you know, it, it is there and you see it, but you really don't see it because, you you know, it's, it's there so often. It's like right now, everybody knows that they're breathing in and out they probably were not aware of it until i just said that you are breathing i'm pretty sure that everybody is aware that they are that their heart is pumping blood right now and if we stop for a quick second you can feel your heart beating right but you're not aware of it because it just happens so much you become desensitized to it so i think it's the same with these sticky notes that you have and i think um i I like what you said there that you change thing. You change it up. You change up maybe the phrasing, or you change the color, or even do you like put them in different positions? Like if you had them in, on the fridge at one point, you know, for this month, and maybe next month you'll move them to to the front door or something like that. Is that something that you do? Yes, definitely. I move them around and put different colors, and and I actually add a lot of different things. So once something like I don't something anymore it doesn't make sense anymore then i just rip it out and then put something new in there and it's not always just positive things it's a lot of strategy things mm-hmm. so just like you said with the pain something that i have uh it's in portuguese but i'll translate it basically what what did i do wrong this mm-hmm. week or what was my mistake because that's a way to to redefine what failure really means to me so um i actually read this from uh, I forgot who it was, but it's like this woman and her father used to do that to her, and I thought it was wow, pretty amazing. Because basically, what he did is they had to fail at something every week, otherwise he would be disappointed. Mm-hmm. So he redefined what failure meant. Like if they didn't have something they failed on, then that was failure. Because wow, then my parent, my my dad is really disappointed at me. It's almost like you know you have to make a mistake every week. But that was just a way of showing that the the real mistake is not trying. Mm-hmm. The real mistake is to stay where you are. 
So that was my flaw. When I read it, I was like, wow, that's so amazing. I want to have this in my life. So now every week I will, you know, try a yoga lesson that I fail completely, but it's like, that's okay. Or a new pose or um, something new that I have to do, even if it's really small, like I take, take a different route when I drive, you know, yeah. well, that was a mistake that took longer, whatever. But <laughs> it's just creating that, that change in your life. Like it, it forces you to really get out of the comfort zone and say, wow, I didn't, I didn't fail at anything this week. I have this something in my wall written. Like, what did I fail at this week? And I had nothing to say. Hmm. Oh my God. Then you start to like think about things that you can do that are, are new things. Cause it's not, I mean, it's not every week that you're going to fail at something. I hope so. I mean, it's actually good, but if you, if you just get this in your mind, it redefines failure as to a lack of trying or a lack of, you know, just staying where you are, then that's also giving you enough pain sometimes to just get yourself, you know, moving a little bit. Mm, I like that. I like that. So now um, I can talk to you forever. <laughs> and we've, we, in the past, we've <laughs> talked for hours and hours and obviously um, we can keep going. And I, I think that for right now, for this episode, we'll, we'll wrap it up. We'll, we'll keep people, uh, you know, on a little cliffhanger, keep them wanting more because hopefully you can come back and do another one so we can keep talking about other subjects and other areas. Um, but what are some key, maybe your your top three takeaways or top three um, action items for people listening right now or watching this? Uh, what are three action items that you would recommend for people to take right now to improve a certain area of their life that they're struggling with. It doesn't, I mean, there's nothing in particular as far as like health and fitness or relationship or anything, but just more of a broad spectrum of if they're struggling in a, in a certain area, maybe they, they want to become a memory champion. <laughs> uh, so, you know, how can, how can, what are some practical actionable items that they can take right now to, um, to apply into their life to help them better themselves in that area? Uh, that's a great question. I think if you're listening to this right now, take a pen and paper like right now. I'll wait. Take your pen and paper. What if they're because, driving? Uh, if you do, <laughs> <laughs> then you can pull over, like pull over on the highway for, for five minutes, write on your notes on your phone. It will literally take five minutes, but don't wait. Reminder. What if they're getting chased by the police right now? They can't be listening well to then you're not listening to the episode <laughs> i'm sure they're not listening but like whatever you're doing even if it is like even if you're out but then you put an alarm for the time that you know you're going to be home and then to do this exercise because like i said if, that's the biggest takeaway for me if you don't do something nothing is going to change mm. and then the second thing is when you have your pen and paper whatever your notes on your phone your computer you're going to write down this area of your life like let's call it like the relationships or family or finances or health or you know growth knowledge whatever it is that you want and then you write everything that's disturbing you mm. that you don't like you have to be completely honest with yourself and that's usually the hardest part like when you get a bill and people are not paying your bills and they tend to just avoid it and hope that it's going to go away somehow and then you have to open all the bills look at them and start paying them right are you so talking about my life area right of your life <laughs> 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 it's, it's not easy it's really the most painful process because you have to deal with all your monsters under the mm -hmm. bed but once you start to deal with them you see they're not really monsters they're just you know things that you've been putting it off and the more you put it off the more they grow so get your pen and paper write everything down that you don't like right now and then you start you get one of them after you write the whole list you have everything in front of you you know then you can start to work on them and then you pick the first thing that you can do the smallest first action step like if i was having a session with somebody that's what i would do with them like let's pick the smallest thing you can do to move forward so let's say you want to be a memory champion right which is you know really really hard thing to to do 
especially, you know, right right now, even in a year, it's, it's, you need a lot of hard work, dedication, study. I can say, okay, I'm going to start reading a book about it, right? I'm going to start with this podcast, or I'm going to get this exercise that I saw on Louis' YouTube channel, and I'm going to do one of them. And I'm going to do one of them, you know, half an hour every day. And that's the smallest thing that you can do. But then you have to write why, why you want to do this. Why is this extremely important for you? Like, this is disturbing to you, this area of your life, you know, you will, everything that's wrong. Then one thing that you can do, and then why you can, do, why you want to do this thing. Why is it important to you? And I think if you do this, then you're going to start to feel a little bit more confident about yourself, a little bit more at ease with your situation, because you will see it's not as bad as you think it is. It's never as bad as you think it is. Um, but then the sooner we start to do something about it, the better our situation, you know, starts to, to become, we start to improve. And that's how we get true confidence, true self-esteem is by dealing with the things that we've been putting it off and, you know, seeing a little improvement because what makes you happy, it's not achieving the goal necessarily, but it's this little growth and improvement every day that you, you know, start to feel better and better about yourself and your capabilities because you're moving in the right direction. So I hope this is a useful tip. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. I mean, I, I like that because it, obviously putting yourself in the right mindset to, to do this. So I think what you said, the main thing, focus, like stop what you're doing. Just focus on this task of writing down your struggles, right? So that's going to be step two, I guess, writing down the struggles. And then step three, really focusing on the one thing that you really can take on right now. I'm not saying to ignore everything else. You'll get to the other things eventually, but um you start with the one thing and then you really put some actionable items, whatever it is, 30 minutes a day, you know, five minutes for me, all I, I follow that method as well. So I'm, I'm really appreciative um, that you brought it up because I do that for myself when it's something that I am putting off, such as recording this podcast or whatever it is. Like I literally came to a completely different part of the world. Uh, I live in California. I came to Puerto Rico on an island you know, down in the Atlantic so I can get away from everything. I have peace and quiet and also so I can get to work. But the first thing that I did as soon as I got to this place is I set up my little podcast station, my recording little studio section. I didn't record anything, but I just set it up. That was my first actionable item. And then now, obviously, we've progressed and I'm talking to you through this uh, setup that I created. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that, just taking that one step, taking that one action, what is it for you? I think that's uh, that's that gives you a, a little surge of momentum uh, moving forward because now you're like, okay, in your brain, you're like, all right, I did it. it. It wasn't that hard. Now what's the next step? And then what's the next step? Now that I've done a few steps in this one area, what's the other area of focus that I can improve on? So I like that. I like the, that advice. It was a very powerful advice, and I'm sure everybody listening is going to do exactly that right now if they haven't started already. But um, thank you so much, Julia, once again. Uh, where can we find you? Where can people reach out to you if they – you know, want to hire you or, or just, you know, tell you thanks or whatever the case might be. What are all your socials or your email or, you know, how can they reach out to you? Well, um, so thank you so much, Luis. Once again, it was such an amazing pleasure to do this podcast session with you. Um, and yeah, you can find me. I have um, two Instagrams. I'm more active on my Portuguese one, but I also have an English one. So yeah, right now, like if you if you message me, it's, it's at Julia Bison. That's my Portuguese one. Mm -hmm. um, but if you want to have uh, to talk to me in English, it's at Psychology Julia. 
and that's my English Instagram, which I will make it more active, you know, especially since I'm doing this podcast now, I will, will make it more active over there and share more tools with you guys there. And yeah, and if you want to have my uh, email, it's it's bison.psychology at gmail.com. Uh, but if you must message me on Instagram, that's probably the best way because I reply right away. So uh, we can chat over there, become friends, love to know more about you guys. And yeah, and thank you so much, Luis, once again. This was amazing. I hope we can do another podcast, another session. I had a lot of fun. And thank you. Awesome. Thank you. And guys, if you guys don't know how to spell bison, it's uh, just like the animal. <laughs> B-I-S-O-N. And Julia, J U L I A. So find her on socials, on everywhere that she's on, uh, you know, Instagram, on the emails. Um, it's funny because I send her pictures whenever I, I either see like a, there's a street near where I live. It's Bison Street, so I send her a picture of that. Or I remember one time I was like near San Francisco and they have like this bison park and I sent her a picture of a bison. <laughs> so, I always, yeah, people don't believe that's my actual yeah. last name. It's, it's actually my last name. I know it's weird. But I don't know where it comes from. It's bison. Yeah. Bison. I love it. No. Um, well, there you guys go. Reach out to her. Find her. Ask questions. You know, but, hey, if you guys need help, if you guys need coaching help, make sure to reach out to her and she'll help you out. She'll, she'll change your life for sure. Guaranteed. Or your money back by me <laughs> uh, she, she's not guaranteeing Definitely. that but i'm guaranteeing that all right so uh, i'll see you guys on the next one peace out keep learning keep growing we're out